let this gospel light shine from shore to shore. Praise God. Just remain standing, please, and we do welcome you again to our Bible lesson class today. I trust that God will help us, that we can be a blessing. God has a message for us. A lot of times we, we want God's message to come to us in some uh, big, mysterious, supernatural, uh, magic way. But uh, basically, God sends us his message through the preached word. And uh, the rich man said, if one rose from the dead, my brothers would believe them. If one rose from the dead, my brothers would listen to what he had to say. Amen. But uh, Abraham said, no, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear him. And if they will not hear them, neither would they believe. It didn't say they wouldn't hear, but said, neither would they believe the one rose from the dead. The truth is, that would bring, that would really draw a big crowd. If one rose from the dead and said, well, Sunday morning we're going to have someone preaching here that's been dead for 10 years. They resurrected and they got, it'd be a big crowd. You can be sure it'd be a big crowd. It would. I think everybody'd kind of sit back close to the door, but it'd be a big crowd and they would hear. But I'm telling you, it would not cause them to be more inclined to serve the Lord than if you hear the word of the Lord preached to you today. If you want to serve God, if you're tired of sin, you want to be saved, you don't want to be lost, then you are listening to the message from God, from the word of God. How do I go about, what do I need to do? Amen? And so I trust this morning that you can receive the message from the Lord simply by sitting and hearing the teaching and the preaching of the Word. Brother McManus, his testimony, the songs that were sung, even the congregational songs sung this morning, it's all about the cross. And for several services, I have preached on the cross, the crucifixion, the suffering of Christ. I hope you're not weary of that because I'm going right back in the middle of that again this morning. Right back in the middle of it. And uh, the Bible says to, to them that perish, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. I should think about that. But to us that believe it is the power of God, amen, it is our salvation. Hallelujah. And so if anybody criticizes the preaching of the cross, we, we like something more sensational and more exciting, and we're tired hearing about the crucifixion and the cross and the blood of Jesus. That's a bad sign. That person's not thinking good. Amen? It's foolish to just keep preaching about the cross, Brother Mike. To them that perish, the Bible said it's foolishness. But to we that believe. Amen. Can you listen one more time? Amen. Amen. On a little Bible lesson Amen. on an aspect of Calvary that maybe we have missed. In the 27th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, <clears throat> and verse number 
I begin verse 41. This is while Jesus is hanging on the cross and he is uh, he's slowly dying, hanging on the cross. His suffering, uh, the intense agony is all very real. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 41. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if we, he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. And everyone say in Jesus' name, God bless you. You can be seated. I don't think that I will be as long today as I am on some of the Bible lessons. But I want, you to, I want you to see an aspect of what was happening on Calvary that uh, sometimes we may overlook. Sister Lana's song, very good. If you're tired of your life, you don't want it anymore, Jesus said, give it to him. He'll give you a new life. And it may be that I'm preaching to someone here today that lacks the courage or the confidence or the trust of the faith uh, to come to God. You just, it's just real hard for you to believe that God wants you or that God loves you or that God will have you. And I hope today that you will visit Calvary with me. And I hope in your visit to Calvary that you will leave here today convinced that God really does love you and God really does want you. On Calvary, Jesus Christ addressed every miserable situation that human beings would ever face. 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah, the Bible says he bore our sorrow, our grief, our sickness, our pain, our misery, our afflictions, uh, every stress and strain and problem and conflict every shame, every sorrow, every uh, confusion, every impossibility, every weakness, every struggle, every battle that human beings would ever face. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, every way Jesus took it when he went to Calvary. He promised that he would when he spoke through Isaiah in Isaiah 53. He said, when I come, I will take care of it. I will nail it to the cross. I will, uh, I will make provisions for you. Now, Jesus was a long time in coming. He was a long time in coming. But the Bible said when the fullness of time was come, or when the time came, he came here, the Bible says, made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. He came here with the purpose of taking care of human beings' needs and problems and misery. Basically, he came here to relieve the sin problem that had plagued and destroyed man since their fall in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, there was a destruction that set in. There was a, a deterioration and a separation from God 
uh, that would plague man for the next 6,000 years. Uh, nothing, nothing fixed it. Nothing took care of it. They had, uh, had little times of relief, and, uh, and then they were back wallowing in sin and destroyed by sin because they did not have the capacity, the ability, or the, or the help that they needed to rise above their sinful nature. And God said, I'm coming. I'm going to come in a body of flesh. I'm going to offer up that flesh, and I'm going to pay the penalty for sin. Basically, the penalty for sin is death. The soul that sinned shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So the killing of the lambs and the bulls and the bullocks was a symbol of uh, atonement. It was a symbol. It was a temporary fix. It was a shadow of things to come. The shedding of blood to take away sin. But as Brother Max said, only Jesus Christ had sinless blood. You can't wash something dirty and make it clean if you're washing it with dirty water. You might help it some. You might make it less dirty, but you can't wash something clean if you're washing with dirty water. And so the blood of bulls and goats and heifers, the Apostle Paul said, could not take away sin. It helped some, it gave some relief, but it could not purify, it could not redeem. And so Jesus came, and, uh, and he came to address the problems of human beings. Preachers that stand in pulpits and say Christians are sinners and Christians continue to sin and there's nothing in salvation that delivers people from sin, they're an insult. They are an insult and an enemy to the gospel. They're an insult to Jesus Christ and the price that he paid because Jesus said, I came to take away sin and in the pulpits all across the world today, there are these misguided, blinded, mealy-mouthed compromisers who stand and say, there is no way to be set free from sin. All you can do is profess faith in Jesus Christ and keep on sinning and hope that His mercy and grace will take care of you because of your profession. That's not what Jesus came and paid such a great price for. I asked a, a preacher one time, I said, tell me what your interpretation of salvation is. And he told me. And I said, is that it? He said, that's it. I said, is that all of it? He said, that's all of it. I said, man, are you telling me that Jesus Christ paid the price that he paid for no more than your offering? Amen. Amen. Jesus paid the full price. Yes, Amen. And he finished his work. He accomplished what he came to accomplish. He came to take away sin. There is no such thing as a Christian living in sin. There is no such thing as a person continuing in their sins, amen, after they are saved from sin. The Bible says, he that is dead to sin lives no longer therein for this cause. And Paul preached the grace of God so strong. You know, people are something. 
if you preach grace, you preach it too strong, they say, well, I guess I must can just live any kind of way I want to. You preach mercy and you preach forgiveness and God's love and God's goodness. If you're not careful, people will get to feeling, well, I guess it really doesn't matter. And Paul faced the same thing. He preached the grace of God and God's love and His mercy and His forgiveness so strong that the people begin to say, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, it almost got into where, well, as good as God is, He'll put up with anything. It's not the way it is. He abruptly stopped their thinking. I mean, He stopped their thinking. He said, they said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. So that's not what I was trying to say. How shall we that are dead to sin? Everybody say dead to sin. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then he said, for this cause was a son of man made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus Christ went to Calvary to destroy the works of the devil, which is a work of sin, uh, which is to keep people sinning. Jesus came to destroy that. He came to reverse that. He came to solve that problem. Yeah. Amen? And that's why we preach that repentance is death to sin. Baptism in Jesus' name is burial with Christ. Bear it in Christ. Bear it into Christ. Bear it into His death. Amen? And bear it to your old life. Praise God, the Bible says, Then like as Christ rose from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so do we also rise to walk in newness of life. Right. Old things are passed away. We use that term, passed away. We, talk, we use that term when someone dies. They passed away. And the Bible used that term, said, Old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Amen. So basically you understand this and you, you accept this. I think most everyone here today understands the gospel, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Then the question is, why are those who know God's plan, they know that Jesus Christ died to save from sin, they know they're lost, unless they are redeemed by the blood of Jesus, repent, baptize in Jesus' name, fill with the Holy Ghost. Why is it that they do not have the courage to come to God and ask for His salvation? Why is it that a backslider who once felt the presence of God, who once knew the joy of salvation, why is it that they go so long and they're so miserable and they let sin just beat them right down in the ground? And they know where the answer is. They know where hope is. They know what God's plan is. But they just can't seem to turn around and say, Jesus, I'm reaching out to you. I want you and I need you. Why is that? And that's what I want to deal with a little bit here today. If there are those of you who some way you feel like you've done God too bad, you've gone too far, you've lived too wrong, you've run too long, and some kind of way you just don't feel worthy. You kind of feel like that uh, your situation is kind of impossible. You just don't hardly have the courage to believe that God would help you now. I want to tell you, Jesus took that to Calvary also. 
Hallelujah. Jesus took that very position that you're in. He visited that, and he spent time there. Let's look at it here. Here he is hanging between two thieves. The fact that he hung on the middle cross signified that he was the biggest criminal. He was the worst one of the three. He was the notorious one. In fact, he was counted as such a low-life criminal that they turned Barabbas loose and crucified Jesus in his place. This cross was for the very worst. This was Barabbas' cross. This cross was for the very worst criminal. These two criminals, one on each side, these thieves, they were not the worst. Barabbas was the worst. He was a bad one. And they released him and put Jesus on his cross, the bigger cross, in the middle. And the two thieves on each side. And so he hung there. And uh, all the shame and disgrace, Brother Mac said, they spit in his face. They lied on him. His own disciple betrayed him. His uh, other, one of his other chief disciples cursed and swore and said he didn't know him. And uh, Jesus had all of the hurt and the heartbreak. They wouldn't pray with him. They slept while he was agonizing. While he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood, they were sleeping. Nobody stood by him. No one stood with him. Now they're gambling for his clothes, and they gathered around mocking him. The religious people of that day, the religious folks, the priests, the ones with long robes, the ones who knew the Mosaical law and could quote scripture and made long prayers, they came out for the hanging. They were there that day. They usually didn't go to crucifixions because they considered it uh, too unholy and beneath them. But they came and joined in that day. Thank you, Brother Gerald. They came and joined in, and the Bible says they joined in with the mocking and making fun. They even challenged Pilate for the inscription that had been put up over the cross. This is Jesus, King of the Jews, and it was written in three different languages. And they said, no, just scratch it out and said, he said he was King of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. Let me tell you something. Every now and then, the Lord just makes a fool out of the devil. And it's just a little something that they say, ah, ha, ha, devil. Ah, ha, ha, devil, you thought. Amen. He really is the king of the Jews. Praise God. And some kind of way, God just let it be written there. He said, I'm going to leave it there just like that. And it's in three languages. Praise God. And it tells what languages it was in. But I'm going to tell you, as far as I'm concerned today, it didn't just say he's king of the Jews in Latin and Hebrew and, uh, and Greek. But I believe it said he's king of the Cajuns. Amen in French. Amen. Praise God. I believe he said he's king of the folks on the Chapelai River in our language. Amen. He is our Lord and our king. And, uh, and, and we recognize it there. That that Pilate wrote, it represented the fact that he put it in three languages. What he was really saying, he is a universal king. He is a universal king. And it made them mad, but he left it there because he really is the universal king. But uh, in his suffering, and they were mocking him, one thief uh, denouncing him, 
And they were saying, come down off of the cross if you're so big. You saved others. Why don't you save yourself? And that's a message in that. If he saves himself, he can't save us. And to save us, he has to die. Amen? Hallelujah. Sin killed him. But in his dying, he killed sin. Sin nailed him to the cross. But in his dying, he nailed sin to the cross. And in his dying, we live. Praise God. If you're tired of your life, he'll take it. Praise God, because he's already nailed that ugly life, that miserable life, that bad life. He's already nailed it to the cross. Give it to me. Amen. I've already taken care of that. And in his resurrection, he has a brand new life to give us. And so let's look. And so if you're here today and you say, I know it's all good. It's a good life. I wish I could. wish I could be happy. I wish I could be delivered from sin. I wish there was not that that monster in me that continues to pull me down. I wish I had the faith to believe that I could. But I want you to see Jesus in that very, very same position. As he hung there on the cross, ugly, beaten, bleeding, his head down. cross and we'll believe in you and then they said he trusted in God he said that he is the son of God he trusted in God let him deliver him now let's see if God will deliver him and then uh, one of the ugliest things that they said one of the most insulting remarks that they made they said let's see if God will come get him if God would even have him Another place when Jesus cried out, they said, he's crying for Elijah. Let's see if Elijah will come get him. If Elijah, what they were saying is, Elijah wouldn't have nothing to do with him. He's too dirty. He's too low down. He's too bad. Elijah would be embarrassed to come and identify with him. Elijah wouldn't have him. And in one place said, he calleth for his father. Let's see if his father would even come. Let me tell you, when a boy gets so bad that his father would not even come when he's crying for him, he's bad. I have seen daddies go to Angola and pick up the body of their son and bring him home and cry over him and bury him when the boy had done nothing but bad his whole life. I've seen parents who had been disgraced and shamed by Cherlin. Cherlin had given them nothing but sorrow all of their life, but in death, that family rallied around and they cried and they brought that body home and gave it a burial. In death, people seem to put away the ugliness. I have people come to me when I'm to preach a funeral and I'm struggling. I try to find something good to say about everybody. There's some people I just don't say nothing about them because I'm not going to say nothing bad. But I have people come and say, now, I, I want you to tell. I was right here one day, and a, a drunk man just, I was fixing to start the service. He come wobbling down the aisle, and his brother died. He was drunk, drunk at all. So come down, he said, preacher, I want to tell you. 
I'm going to be listening to you, and you better preach my brother saved today. Well, there's something about it. When people die, we all want to think the best of them. Yeah. We try to think the best of them. Of course, I couldn't preach his brother saved. I later preached the other's funeral and couldn't preach him saved either. But, uh, but in death, we try. And these people are looking at Jesus hanging there, so rejected, so miserable, so pitiful, and so condemned. Now remember, Jesus Christ is now guilty of every low-down sin that man could ever commit. He has taken upon himself the sins of the whole world. For all practical purposes, he did it. He is acknowledging, I am guilty. I take the sins of the whole world upon me. All of the shame, all the disgrace, all the embarrassment, all the condemnation, all the heaviness. Brother Mac, I respect what you said about them spitting on him. And that was so horrible that they spit on him. I'm going to tell you one reason why he hardly even flinched when they spit on him. The horrible spit. And that guy must have had a bad mouth if he brushed his teeth with a chainsaw. <laughs> but anyhow, however bad it was, however bad it was, they spit on him. Those filthy people spit on Jesus. But that was not nearly the worst thing that he took upon himself that day. He took the sin of the whole world. He felt the guilt and the ugliness. He felt the shame and the sorrow. So much so that it was evidence. They could just read it on him. Look how bad. Look how horrible. Look, look what a low life. Look what a pitiful person it is. So much so that they said his own father wouldn't love him. His own father would not claim him. No, Elijah won't come. And God will not have him. They said if he would even have him. And that was a heart that was worse than spitting in his face to say that God himself can't love that guy. There's no way that God could even love him. There is no way that God could love him. Now, I want you to listen because I'm going to be through before you realize it and you will have missed what I was trying to say. He hung there and they looked at him and he represented everything that was bad and evil. He represented everything that was low down and sinful. And they said, they said, he is not worthy of any respect. He is not worthy of any love. God himself would not want him. God would not want him. God would not want him. God wouldn't have him. God wouldn't claim him. God would not accept him. God would not want him. He's too bad. In that little five words there, if he will have him, Jesus hung on that cross and stood in the place of whoever may be in this service this morning that has done wrong. You've done God wrong. You've done your family wrong. You've sinned. You've put off serving God. You've put off doing right. Amen, until you are in the position that you really don't feel that God cares anymore. 
you have the feeling that God, God don't want me. God wouldn't have me. God probably wouldn't hear me if I did pray. There's no hope for me. I'm too bad. I'm too low. I've done too wrong. I've did God too wrong. I've done the church wrong. I've done my family wrong. There's no way that God will help me. Amen. I'm telling you, Jesus stood in your place that day, and he knew exactly what you're facing. He knew exactly what you're feeling right now. Amen. When he hung there, and they said, look at him. Not even God would want him. Not even God would want him. God's not going to come take him down off of that cross. He's crying for his father, but his father won't come. Amen. That's what, that's a position that sin puts you in. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you something. Just as soon as he bowed his head and said, it is finished. Amen. He was not carrying sin any longer. The price had been paid. Amen. The penalty had been met. The, the responsibility or the obligation and the price of sin had been taken care of. Amen. And as soon as he bowed his head in death, the Bible said they pierced him in the side and blood and water flowed out. Amen. It was over with then. He was no longer carrying the sins of the whole world. He was pure and innocent again. He was free of that curse now because the price had been paid. He had died for it, and it had been taken care of. Uh, there was no longer a sentence upon him because it had been satisfied. That's when the veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. Amen. It's a new life opened up now. It's not misery. It's not, uh, it's not uh, horrible anymore. It's hope now. It's, uh, it's beauty now. It's opportunity now. It's possibility now. The Bible says the earth shook and the graves was open. I believe the opening of those graves was simply a testimony and a representation. Praise God that life is coming out of this. There's something good coming out of what's happening here on Calvary. A resurrection is coming out of this. It's not bad anymore. From here on out, it's going to be a good story. From here on out, it's going to be a good message. There's hope in this. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that many that were in the grave came out and walked in the holy city. The veil in the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. They took the body of Jesus Christ and they buried him three days and three nights. And then he rose from the dead. The Bible says triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Amen. He had accomplished the mission. The Bible said he went to the a spirits held captive there and preached unto them and they took the keys of death hell and the grave he became the master amen over every misery and every failure and and every doomed soul every every soul that uh, that had no hope and saw no way out and uh, could not imagine that God could even love them amen Jesus Christ passed through that valley and he turned around and said, I've been there. Could I tell you today, when you begin to repent of your sins, when you begin to die with Christ, oh, I've seen it happen so many times. Amen. People that, 
you could hardly pull them to the altar. I don't believe there's any hope. I just don't believe God would hear me. I don't believe God would help me. I don't believe God would forgive me. I've done too bad. I've gone too far. I've waited too long. Amen. But if you can ever get them to the altar, and they break down begin to cry, and then they begin to repent. God, have mercy. God, I've done wrong. God, take sin out of my life. Amen. Once they die with Christ in repentance, amen, they've come through it. And the first thing you know, they look around and say, I believe God's going to help me. I believe there's hope for me. Amen. I believe God's going to hear me. I believe he would have me. I'm beginning to believe that God would have me. I'm beginning to believe that he is going to come and deliver me. I'm beginning to believe that he is going to have mercy on me. I'm beginning to believe that he is going to save me. And Jesus passed through that. His darkest hour on the cross, they recognized it and said, look at him. God wouldn't have him. He's too bad. Too low. Too much sin. Too ugly. Too miserable. Look at him there. God would not even have him. He's praying. He's crying. Amen. But no help is coming. Praise God. But then, hallelujah, a victory came. Amen. He said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Praise God. You know, the next, the next story now is going to be resurrection. And nothing bad happened in that three days. Hallelujah. Good things has taken place. Amen. God Almighty was tending to some things. But resurrection's coming then. Amen. It's going to be taken care of. When you begin to repent of your sins, you're sorry for your sins, you're ready to give them up, you're ready to turn it over to God. Hallelujah. Repentance is crucifixion. And when you're crucified with Christ, Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh, but by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. Amen. And when you die out to sin, there's something wonderful begins to happen. You're crucified with Christ. Crucified with Christ. You go there. Amen. You visit him there, hanging on the cross, despised. Even God wouldn't have him. Too ugly for God to look upon. There's no angels down there dancing. There's, there's, there's no uh, singing. There's nothing good taking place. There's nothing wonderful going on. Amen. But when death is complete, the veil is rent in twain. The dead come out of the grave. Praise God, the glory of the Lord, hallelujah, begins to operate then. And at the end of three days and three nights, the stone is rolled away. Well, there's angels here now. There's angels here. He's not here. He's risen. Why seek you the living among the dead? Go over there. You'll see him over there. He'll be there. Tell Peter that Jesus said he'll meet him there. Amen in the room. Hallelujah. Everything's good now. Everything's wonderful now. Praise God. And I'm going to tell you, mister, listen to what I'm telling you today. It doesn't matter where you've been and what you've done and how hopeless you feel and how shamed you are and what a loser you feel like you are. Amen. You, 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 you've just lived with it, the measure of it, and you've almost accepted it. I'm too bad. There's no hope for me. I've, I've wiped my feet on the blood of Jesus Christ. I've disgraced and I've shamed. There's no hope for me. Amen. I, surely I, I, must, I must look horrible to the Lord. Amen. That's what sin does. And you really do 
look horrible to the Lord. Could I tell you that the righteous, holy spirit of God, the pure, sweet presence of the Almighty looked with disdain and abhorrence upon that body hanging there. That body hanging there represented sin. Every ugliness that has ever been known and the holy God of heaven looked upon that body with disdain and with uh, repulsion. Amen. But as soon as death came, the price had been paid. The shame was now gone. Amen. He was no longer, he was no longer uh, the, uh, the sacrificial lamb. Amen. But now, praise God, he is a victor. He is, uh, he's now offering to mankind. I have it for you now. It's paid for. It's taken care of. It's not in the process. Praise God, but it has already been perfected. And so it is with us when we come through that crucifixion, that misery and that ugliness, so convicted of sin. And it, uh, it worries me now that the gospel is presented in such a light way. Skip the conviction. Skip the repentance. We'll just run back and lay hands on you. You just talk in tongues and glory, hallelujah, and go on your way. What they're saying is they're trying to take Jesus when he was in the garden and say, you don't have to sweat like that. Get up, get up, get up. Come on, amen, bypass this whole thing. Let's go straight to the upper room. Let's just go straight to the upper room, bypass. There's a process that has to take place. Sin, sin is a real factor. Sin is a destroying factor. The devil is real, mister. And Jesus paid a great, great price to take care of the sin problem in man's life. And we are doing wrong when we try to bypass the crucifixion. Amen. And just get folks talking in tongues and jumping. There needs to be deep conviction for sin. We need to come to the place where Jesus came. Amen. Where we recognize that we are so dirty and we feel so unworthy. Amen. If he would even have him. Amen. I wonder about people who, I, I, can, get, I can get back to God anytime I want to. Anytime I want to, I can get back in church. I can get the victory. Oh, yes, no big deal. Worry about that. I'm going to tell you, the process is the process that Jesus came through. Amen. Horrible realization until he faced up to it that sin was exceedingly sinful. It really is horrible. Amen. It's not, I haven't done anything. Well, I haven't killed nobody. I'll tell you, it's hard to get somebody saved when you talk to them and say, I'm not a bad person. I didn't kill nobody. Well, don't worry about me. I'm probably better than a lot of people are. A lot of people go to church. I'm better than they are. They're not in the process. I say they are not in the process. Praise God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's going to be saved is that person that feels unworthy. That person that is so conscious of their wrong. And they're so condemned and so sorry for the things that they've done. Amen. That they have doubts that God's even going to hear me. They have doubts that God would even have me after all of this. But I'm here to tell you today, you're right where you need to be. Amen. To get help from the Lord. 
You're right where you need to be. Go ahead and die out to it. I'm sorry for it. I'm ashamed of it. I don't want to live this way anymore. God have mercy on me. I'm a poor lost sinner. Take my sins away. Clean my life up. Straighten my life up. Praise God. Then victory can come. You be repent of your sins and be buried with Christ in baptism. Amen. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost, the joy, the peace, the resurrection. Don't skip the death process. Don't skip the dying. Don't skip the repentance. Jesus went there for us. And he turns around and says, all right, come on. It's a painful experience. Face up to your sin. Face up to your problem. Amen. Don't whitewash it. Don't glaze it over. Face up to it. I am a sinner, lost and undone, ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed to even come into the presence of the Holy God. Amen. But I believe the Word of God. The preacher told me today that Jesus went to that exact same place for me. He went there for me. He went so low that, that they said God would not even love him. God would not even come see about him. And if that's where you are today, you're very close to help. You're very, very close to help. Praise God. And I come to tell you, amen, that that is the process that brings you to the resurrection. Once you've died out to sin, been buried with Christ, praise God, there's a new life for you. Amen. If he would have him. If he would have him. God, God is so good. God is so merciful. While they come to the music, God is so good and so merciful to us. Amen. Uh, he, he, he just looks for that person who feels unworthy, and God just kind of stretches out his hand a special way to him. I think it's significant that he said to the disciples, don't forget to tell Peter that I'm anxious to see him also, because Peter felt very, very down and unworthy. He felt very condemned and convicted. I'm not worthy of the master. I let him down in a miserable way. I failed the Lord when he was counting on me. Amen. But the Lord said, Peter, I've been there. I've been through that. I've been through that valley for you. And I want to tell you, I still love you. I'll still help you. I want to deliver you. Amen. I want to save you. No, God does not feel good about the things that sinners are doing. The Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. God's angry with the wicked every day. God don't feel good about it. God doesn't accept us as we are. Amen. But he stretches out his hand and says, you can change because I came through that for you. I know what it feels like to be rejected. I know what it feels like to feel unworthy. I know what it feels like to feel unwanted. Amen. Jesus says, I know what it feels like to feel no good and worthless because he hung there. And he went there. And it was real with him. It was real. Jesus was not going through some kind of act. It was real with him. He went to that depth of sin and rejection and misery and sorrow. So he can identify with us. He can relate to us. If you're feeling unworthy that God maybe will not even hear you, amen. He set an example and says, oh yes, if you will completely die, praise God, then hope comes. Then help comes. Would you stand? If there's someone this morning you hear and you understand, the message is for you. You've been there and you wondered about your place in God. Would God ever hear you? Would God take you back? 
Amen. I believe that God is speaking to you today and say, yes, that's one of the things that I nailed to the cross. That horrible, miserable feeling. Amen. I paid the price for that. Set an example. You can be buried. You can be crucified with Christ in repentance. Buried with him in Jesus' name, baptism. And resurrected with him in the wonderful infilling of the Holy Ghost. Let's all pray. If, you, if you're ready to pray, make your way to the altar. Come on and let's pray. Uh, if you feel unworthy, amen, come this way because Jesus has been there. Father, hear our prayer this morning in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every soul that's here that you'd visit them with hope and courage, God. Conviction, yes. Guilt, yes. Oh, God, help them to see that in Jesus Christ is an outstretched hand. You're ready, Lord. You're willing. You're able. God, you will help us. You will restore. You will save. You will deliver. Have mercy in Jesus' name. Have mercy, God. Give strength, Lord. Desire and hunger. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, there's, there's room. There's room at the cross for you. Let's sing it again. There's room at the cross for you. There's a place right there with Jesus. Amen. He was there right where you are now. Jesus was there. Come on, sinner, backslider. Come on to God today. Come on back to God today in Jesus' name. Oh, millions have come. There's still room for one. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. If anyone wants to pray this morning, you want to seek the Lord, there is room at the the cross for you. can't just stay like that Jesus couldn't just stay like that he couldn't just stay like that had to press on through he said I've got to press on through it I've got to finish it it's not enough that you feel conviction it's not enough that you face up to this condition that you're in amen you've got to press on through and do the right thing die out to sin stop it man bring it to an end you can't keep going that way amen and then Jesus Hallelujah offers hope, help, resurrection. Hallelujah. Oh, the process of Calvary. Praise God. Oh, the process of Calvary. Join in it. Get in the process of Calvary. That's what the gospel is. That's what the gospel is. Praise God. Calvary didn't leave anybody out. Whatever you're struggling with, Calvary didn't miss you. Calvary didn't skip you. He didn't leave you out. There's hope for every one of us. I want us to sing it one more time. If you found grace and mercy in God, amen, thank him and worship him. Thank him for his patience and his love for you. There's room at the cross for you.
and thank God for his grace to us. God, I want to thank you. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and your goodness, God. I love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You made a way for us, God. You made a way for us, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you that you made a way for us. Oh, God, in you there's hope, Lord. In you there's hope, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to thank you, God, that you made a way for us. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Praise God. If you meet someone tomorrow, if you talk to someone today, you recognize that they feel unworthy. There's no way. There's no way that God wants me. Amen. Take them to Calvary. Praise God. Take them to the despised, rejected Christ who hung on the cross with that very same, same picture, his life. Amen. Bless one another in the name of the Lord. Visitors, come back and be with us. It's be in prayer. I'd like for everyone to be here tonight in the prayer room. Pray with us. Come seek the Lord with us tonight. Come early. Thank you for the missionary offering, $3,402. Missionary offering, thank you very much.